This is the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast, episode 150. Good day and welcome to this episode of the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. I'm your host, podcaster, and author of Fun Fantasy Reads, Jamie Davis. This podcast is exactly what the title says it is, folks. It's a show where we focus on everything to do with fantasy and sci-fi books. We look at epic fantasy, urban fantasy, space opera, military sci-fi. I mean, you name it, we bring it to you with the best and brightest authors from all the various corners of the sci-fi and fantasy book world. Let's start off this week's show with what I've been up to, and uh, I wanted to fill you in on that. I'm about halfway through the first draft in the Paramedic Sorceress, which is book nine in the Extreme Medical Services series. I'm so excited to be working on this and and finishing this one for folks, and um, I will be sharing excerpts in the coming weeks in the Fun Fantasy Readers Facebook group, so look forward to that if you're a member of the group over there or want to join the group over there. You can check out more information about that and everything else I'm up to, including sneak peeks at upcoming covers, special giveaways, and a lot of other fun things over in our fan group on Facebook, Jamie's Fun Fantasy Readers, and also on my website and blog over at jamiedavisbooks.com. And I look forward to hearing from you. Wherever you reach out to me, um, you can leave me a message, contact me. I'd love to hear from you. This week on the show, we have... D. William Landsborough joining us, um, also known as Doug. Doug is a writer of dark and urban fantasy with a sprinkling of whatever else crosses his mind at the time. His debut novel, Archangel, is the first in the Shadows Advent series and its sequel, Revelations, released in December 2020. Doug grew up on fantasy. He read about Drizzt Doerden and an early age devoured the Chronicles of Amber and consider Sam and Dean Winchester role models to a certain extent. He loves being a dungeon master for D&D groups and watches too many horror movies while fitting in his freelance writing and editing career when he can. So here's my great interview with Doug. I had a great time chatting with him. I hope you'll join us and check it out. Hi, Doug. Welcome to the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. It's great to have you on the show today. Thank you, Jamie. It's awesome to be here. So why don't you introduce yourself to the readers and writers in the audience out there? We have both listening, so uh, go ahead and chat with us. Perfect. So I'm Doug, or known to a whole bunch of readers as D. William Lansborough. I uh, write dark fiction mostly, though I'm looking to expand that in the coming year. And currently, I have two books published, independently published, um, both in the same Shadows Advent series. That's Archangel and Revelations. And I've just been having a blast doing the whole self-publishing thing. Um, I'm from the Great White North in Canada. Currently, it's it's snowing a lot. So I'm glad we're inside and chatting and I don't have to deal with that right now. And yeah, I'm just, just really excited to, to talk about writing and fantasy. And uh, I grew up reading fantasy, so I'm absolutely in love with the genre. Yeah, I live I live uh, in the mid Atlantic down in the U.S. and um, just south of Philadelphia, and I'm really bummed because we were supposed to get like some decent snow overnight, and we got like a light dusting, and it's already gone. <laughs> so I, I like snow. I mean, but I work from home, so it doesn't really bug yep. bug me too much. There was a place just a little bit north of me a few days ago that got 50 centimeters, or I guess almost two feet of snow overnight. 
and I like snow too, but, <laughs> but there's a limit sometimes. No, no I that, think. that's a lot. I get it. I get there. Were, <laughs> a friend of mine is a, is a, a ski patroller out in Colorado and he was all excited because they were getting ready to dump like 10 feet of snow on the, the <laughs> slopes near him. And I'm like, dude, that's just too much. <laughs> <laughs> great for the skiers though they love it oh yeah absolutely um so i was i'm looking at your books and they're the covers are stunning um the the concept is amazing you know the idea that that demons have won a, a war over the earth and now rule mankind and yet there are some freedom fighters out there to to save the day maybe um why don't you fill us in a little bit on the shadows advent series for sure. So I really wanted to start from that point that you just touched on, because we always have these stories of good versus evil. And we always, you know, we want good to win in the end. And it might take a while to get there, but that that's kind of the inevitable outcome. So I wanted to kind of flip that on its head and say, hey, we had the good versus evil fight, but good lost. And so what's, where do we go from here? How do we, you know, renew that fight? What does the world look like? And uh, and what are the characters that exist in this world, how they've been affected. And so when I was growing up, I was, I didn't have a religious upbringing, um, contrary to what a lot of people think, because I write about angels versus demons. So, you know, that that's a natural conclusion. But I was always fascinated by theological stories and all the, the work that goes into researching, you know, religious stories, regardless of what religion that might be. And so I thought, we have these really cool ideas Let's put them into this world, but flip it upside down and see how, you know, your stoic, godly angel would react in a world where they're sealed off from heaven, from their home, and cities are run by literal demons. So that was that was kind of the basis for it. And the Shadows Advent series itself takes place 10 years after the war starts on Earth. So there's a little bit of time in between where the war is going on, but a few years into it, hell has their decisive victory and these black clouds cover the entire planet that cuts off the view from heaven. And in doing so, angels can't get back up to their home, nor they can they come down. Except for one, our main character, Uriel, who's an archangel. He's the only one in heaven that's still strong enough to break through the clouds. But as soon as he gets down to earth, he finds that his power is weakened and he can't get back up. So it's through that existing in this new world where he's discovering what's happening that he actually uh, joins this half-demon, Chandra, who's our other main character, uh, in this unlikely, very reluctant alliance at first. Um, and they have to go and renew this fight in this world run by demons. What is it you think that that drives so many authors? And, and I think because of that, the readers who, who read it, I think they demand, they're demanding this type of material. Um, what is it that's driving this, this need for us to constantly examine good versus evil, even at a time when people are becoming less religious, um, there is still this need to look at the, the light and the dark inside ourselves. Absolutely. And I think, I think intrinsically it's just human nature to do so. But I also think, and specifically for my books, I write in dark fantasy, so it gets really dark at points. Very grim. You know, my fiance, who is much more of a YA reader, she's reading through it and she goes, Doug, this is too dark for me. <laughs> and I say, I'm sorry, but I write it so dark because then when we have that good versus evil moment and good wins, it's an even bigger victory and we feel even better about it. So I think that the evil is there and the good versus evil stories are there to remind us of what's at stake and make it feel so much better when we actually come out on top. 
You know, it's funny. I, I have one of my series is, uh, is more of a darker tone to it. Um, and my wife hates that series. <laughs> um, she's read everything I've written and, and she, you know, she doesn't like the way it wraps at the end because it's kind of, you know, it, it good wins, but it's a bittersweet, well, you know, ending. And she's like, I hate the ending of that story, that whole series. <laughs> and, and I'm like, yeah, but it had to happen that way. You see that, right? Yep. She goes, I can see that, but I don't have to like it. <laughs> well, it's kind of like too. um, I know the current phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe just wrapped up, but when Infinity War happened and Thanos snapped at the end, sorry if, if anyone hasn't seen it in the last four years. Or they're they're on their own if they haven't. I'm yeah, sorry, right? but at this point, there are no such things as spoilers <laughs> in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Exactly. But he snaps his fingers, and that's the end of the movie. We don't have you know something rallying at the end that brings it to a happy conclusion. It's just this very numbing sensation of, oh my God, that just happened. We just lost. And I feel like audiences aren't used to that. And readers, you know, aren't used to that, especially at the end of a, a book uh, that they've just invested a lot of time in. They want that good. But because we had that dramatic, chilling moment, when it does wrap back up in the next movie, it feels so much better. Like there's such a sense of accomplishment on top of, you know, the scene where everyone comes out of the portals and you're like crying because you're so happy to see all the characters again. <laughs> No, and, and it's such a it's such a powerful moment. And I think one of the things that, that one of the only things that makes that bearable for a lot of people is the knowledge they were already shooting the next movie. So it yep. was like we know there's more. It wasn't like mm -hmm. this is the end, and it was just the end of that chapter. Um, yeah. And and so I think that that was the one thing that kind of carried you through. But you know, the the next movie is so dark in the beginning because everyone's dealing with. Ma the loss of, of so much, mm -hmm. you know, and, and then Ant-Man comes back and, you know, you just like the comic relief there was so needed, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And I feel like in that super dark beginning or in anything where it's very dark, you get a lot of opportunity for character growth. And I think in the Shadows Advent series, again, because I have these angels that are normally supposed to be unfeeling or just super stoic or, unflinching uh, in their faith it's because it's so dark that i have all these opportunities to show how does someone change when they start like this and they experience something so brutal you know and and that's a common theme that i write with because i i try to i try to make it so that the the characters have to have this this major self-discovery moment before they can win you know it's it's yep. they have to learn something important about themselves to take it to the next level. And, and it yeah. only through doing that, can they, can they win out in, in whatever way that means? Well, and if they don't, and I, I mean, I, I don't necessarily want to keep going back to superhero movies, but there's so much fun, but you look at the Marvel cinematic universe compared to the DC universe. And I always make the comparison, like you have Superman who is this incredibly powerful character and you know, this, this, uh, icon for good. But there's never really self-discovery when it comes to the Superman movies that we've seen. There's no change. He just, you know, something bad's happening. He flies in. He punches it. He saves someone. And then roll credits. Whereas you have things like that Thanos snap that give you the opportunity for growth. It's one of the things, and I will stay in the we'll stay in the genre because I think it fits. <laughs> um, it's one of the things that makes Wonder Woman, the first Wonder Woman movie at least, so powerful. <laughs> Is, is that yeah. self-discovery that she has to go through to get to the end of that movie. 
Yep, absolutely. And they've done they've done a much better job in the uh, a few of the last movies. I don't know. I, I wasn't a huge fan of the latest Wonder Woman movie compared to how good the first one was. Um, but I think to uh, Aquaman, they did a really good job with that because he did have that self-discovery journey as well, sprinkled in with a lot of cheese and a lot of over the top yeah. <laughs> aspects. Yeah. But it was still it was a clear evolution from what they'd done before. You know, and, and it's funny. I, I think compared to the first Wonder Woman movie, the second one is not as good. Um, but I think it's fun in a different way. So I, I enjoyed it, but I also, I also had this feeling like, well, okay, it's not as good as the first one, but it's fun. I I can, I can give it, you know, we needed fun in the midst of COVID. So I get it. Yeah, Um, (laughs) absolutely. All right. Back to your books. So, you know, you've got these, you've got these awesome stories. I love the covers. Um, is that original artwork that you commissioned for that? That is, yeah, I was directed to a gentleman that lives out in Serbia, actually, and um, and it's all 100% original artwork, artwork, and I'm absolutely in love with it. I know people say don't judge a book by its cover, but that's probably driven a good bulk of my sales. <laughs> no, no, listen, I, the person who says that has never sold books. And, um, <laughs> because, no, because, I mean... The covers are so important. Um, they were important before the internet. They're doubly important now. Um, you, it's the thumbnail of your cover that gets somebody to stop and read what your book's about. It is not the title. It is not your name. It is the thumbnail image that they see as they're scrolling through Amazon or Kobo or whatever store they're on. And it is that that makes them stop to say, what's this book about? So they absolutely do dredge a book by its cover, at least initially to see if it's something they'd be interested in. Absolutely. And I mean, as as an independent author or self-published author, there are hundreds of thousands of titles released every year just by people independently publishing, not to mention all the titles released by the big publishers or independent publishers out there working with authors. And so I really... And I've seen some some self-published books that had a lot of room for improvement in the the cover. Some people may have just taught themselves graphic design and that's fantastic or have somebody come up with something based on, you know, what I what I ask of them to really stand out amongst the crowd. You know, I've seen some really horrible covers out there. I've seen some amazing (laughs) covers out there. And strangely enough, I think. In general, indies get cover design way better than the big printing houses do. I don't know what it is, but they're so conservative with some of their covers. They really aren't keeping up with the trends and what's going on. Um, I have a couple of series that are on second, third covers now um, because, you know, the, the cover trends changed in the last five years since I released those series. And I had to I had to go back and get new covers done. Um, and. And happily, every time I've upgraded covers, I've increased sales. So clearly it was the right decision to make. But I think indies are you really the ones that have their fingers on the pulse of what kind of covers drive books into readers' hands. That's true. And actually, as you know, after I said it and as you were saying that, I thought to myself, when it comes to, you know, your big publishers, your your random houses or your penguins or your tours, it, they have enough you know muscle behind them that they can put out i guess a mediocre cover or they can afford to be behind the times when it comes to cover design whereas indie authors 
we need to put a lot of thought into it because that's one of our biggest assets. And uh, and even saying that, it, it's been a few years in a row now, I believe, that independent authors are outselling those big publishers. So maybe it's something that they need to think about as well. Uh, yeah, if you look at the trends and the sales trends, and, and I do because this is my business, um, I, I, <laughs> I agree with you. I think uh, indie authors as a group, if you took independent authors and small publishers that are indie authors that work with other in- indies, um, we yeah. as an industry ourselves match up to the big five. So, or big four yeah. now, because I think um, what Simon and Schuster got sold. So, oh, yeah, yeah, true. I forgot about so that. It's now the it, big four. And that, that kind of, <laughs> exactly. And that speaks to the whole that section of the industry, right? Yeah, definitely. So, <laughs> I know you're writing other stuff. You, you, I think you made a note here in the, the stuff you sent me that there are going to be ultimately six books in the Shadows Advent series. Are you working on them now, or do you have other projects you're digging into? I actually I'm taking just a short little break from writing the next Shadows Advent book. And I know someone's going to hear that and be like, Doug, what the hell are you thinking? Um, but but I, I took a last year at the end of last year, I took a horror writing course because I've always loved horror books and horror movies. And there's even a little hint of that in the Shadows Advent series that makes it that much darker. But I thought, let's let's try my hand at that. So I'm knee deep in that right now. Um, but then as soon as that's done, you know, when I need to step away from it, let it simmer before I go and polish it up and then send it out to beta readers and the whole process, then I'm going to jump right into the third book in the Shadows Advent series that should be out later this year. I'm aiming for one a year for that one for the next few years. No, it's great. And, you know, I, I tell I tell my readers it's like a palate cleanser. Sometimes I need to get away and clear my head a little bit and try and try something different. Um, what are what are some of the things you're finding you know, in your brain as, as you write the stories, um, that's different from writing, say a dark fantasy, dark urban fantasy to writing horror. Is there anything that you've had to shift from your mindset? Absolutely. And I was actually a little bit worried about writing horror because all of the great horror that I've written, the pacing is super important. That's what really builds a lot of the tension in in the sort of work that I read, which tends to be, you know, your ghost stories, your your haunted houses, your possession kind of things. Um, and so contrast that to my books, where in dark fantasy, I, I love writing action scenes. The, the big fight scenes are just the one-on-ones. It doesn't matter. I really, really enjoy writing them. And so the pace is a lot faster. So I'm trying to keep that in mind as I go through. And there have been times where I'll finish up a writing sprint and then I'll be like, okay, let's just go back and tweak this a little bit because I know I can set the pace a little bit better. But at the same time, <laughs> and this kind of links back to the beginning of our conversation about my fiance not liking to, to read some of the things that I write, just... Two days ago, Sunday, I finished writing a scene for this book and I close my laptop and I look over at my fiance, Sarah, and I say, Sarah, you just can't read this book because the scene that I wrote was just so gruesome, so, so much darker than what I guess I'm used to. And, and when I wrote that, I'm like, oh, Doug, what's going on in that head of yours? But it, it, it's actually becoming a nice outlet for it as well and lets me explore, you know, what can I write? without being just disgusting. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, it, it's it's like you know the internet searches of authors. You know, it's the it's the common <laughs> joke. You know, if the if the um, if the if the feds ever look at my internet searches, I'm going to have some explaining to do. Um, <laughs> you know, what's the best way to to hide a body, or how long does it take to dissolve a body in acid? And what kind of acid should you use? And you know, I mean, there's so many things that authors look up and and go through our minds, but I. I almost think it's cathartic for us. Um, you know, I think, I think everybody has dark thoughts, but only authors and maybe filmmakers and other artists find a way to let that out in, in some constructive fashion. Yep. Yeah. And it's constructive and it is just an avenue for growth as well. Cause when I, I write these things, you have to think, you know, how am I writing this appropriately? How am I writing this so that the actual thoughts conveyed and how am I writing this ultimately so that someone will enjoy it? Um, the scene that I, that I wrote while gross, you know, it adds a lot of depth and it has that ability to just chill someone and stick with them. Uh, and so it has to be done appropriately. And that takes a lot of, a lot of growth as a writer, I think. So I'm curious what it is about horror that draws you as a genre, um, whether it's film or books or, or whatever, because it is one of those things that I have just never, ever been into. Yet all three of my children get together on a regular basis and watch horror movies together. Like the next, the next you know, whatever movie's coming out, they've got, oh, wait, let's get together and watch that, you know, in the dark at night. You know, it's I don't get it. I just don't understand. <laughs> it I, it might be a couple things, and this is all going to be conjecture because I don't know the answer. But um, it I remember fondly, especially you know late elementary school or throughout high school, uh, getting together with my buddies on a Friday or Saturday night, and we'd pop in a horror movie or three, and we'd have snacks and we'd chat and we'd just have a good time staying up way too late watching those. Um, so it was you know it was a very social thing for me growing up, which plays a huge part. But at the same time, I think it again is, is diving into those, those dark ideas and saying, you know, maybe there's this way to get out or, or no matter how bad my day is going, no matter how much I'm, I'm, you know, want to go out and see people during quarantine, I could always be possessed by a demon and have my head spin around 360. Like it, there's, there's maybe that aspect of it's always, there's always something worse. And so maybe what I think is bad in real life, I can, I can overcome myself. I think there's something to be said for that. And, and, you know, it's funny and there is one horror movie that I like, and I consider it one of the scariest things I've ever seen um, is the original alien with Sigourney Weaver and John Hurt and, you know, that, that whole crew that, um, I don't know why I, I liked it and still like it to this day. I think I somehow convinced myself it was a sci-fi movie, that it wasn't horror. <laughs> it was just a scary sci-fi movie. Um, but it is, it is undeniably one of the scariest things I've ever seen. And, you know, even to this day, I can see the tension and the, you know, way that, that they're building the, the horror aspects of that story as it goes along. But it's just amazing to see, you know, I guess there's just different things, but that dates back to my you know, youth when you know, I was, I watched that with some friends when I was a teenager. And I think that that's probably, you're right. There's some things from our youth that we bring forward into that type of thing. Absolutely. And they scar us. And, <laughs> uh, but I think too, um, with, with alien, 
and aliens and all the other ones after it definitely has that element of suspense. And I think that almost blurring of genre lines also helps to develop the story or maybe strengthen it a little bit. Cause I know in, in Archangel, there is a scene where our, our heroes are in an abandoned asylum and there are monsters in the dark that can kind of control the shadows around them that are darting in and out of the darkness, attacking them. And they're kind of helpless against it. And I've had people tell me, you know, that that scene chilled me. There was a lot of suspense there. And I think that made that scene stand out as something that people enjoyed and will remember, which is cool. Absolutely. Very cool. Um, we're getting down towards the end and I want to make sure we cover everything here. So what's the, where do you find the best way that you have to meet readers? Um, I know obviously we're not going to conventions and things right now, but, um, you know, where, where are you finding your readers online or in other locations? It sucks because I, I just had my first book signing event the month before everything kind of erupted. So in early February, I had a book signing event and that was my first one. Uh, it took a little bit to build momentum after I released my first novel in 2019. So I was all gung ho. I was ready, you know, let's hit those conventions. Let's go do more book signings and, you know, just chat with everyone everywhere. And then COVID hit. So it's had to be a pretty big pivot. Um, but I find that just interacting with people, especially through social media right now, um, is really where I'm finding a lot of my writers and just making it almost a habit essentially of going onto social media every day and either posting on my page or going into other groups and posting and interacting there and giving my feedback on things and, you know, bonding with people beyond just selling my books. It's, Hey, we have this shared love of fantasy or dark fantasy or urban fantasy or horror and bonding in those groups and then they look into it more. I know this, the best way to connect with people is by getting them on your email list. Obviously, everybody wants to grow their email list. But I think right now, the best way that I've found connecting with people and growing those groups that I'm a part of or growing those relationships is just being active and, and being proactive and reaching out and connecting with people. I agree. And, and I really enjoy my Facebook group because I actually, I mean, I call it fun fantasy readers because it's, I'm a fun fantasy reader. I love reading books <laughs> that, that make me smile at the end. And, and, and so I, you know, we talk about our favorite movies and, and, you know, it's not just about my books in there. It's, it's, and I think you're right. I think it's, that's part of it is building those relationships um, and, and just getting to know people and there, and there are people in there I consider friends and I've never met them in person, but you know, we've just had so many comment conversations, you know, that, you know, it seems like I kind of know, sort of know them in some way. And I feel like they know me a little bit. So yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Cool. And when I started my, my author journey, I was a lot more active on Twitter than I am now. Um, and you know, I, I make use of all the hashtags and comment on people's stuff and reply to them. And I made a lot of really good writing friends that way, which is very cool. Um, and at the same time, one of the things that consistently, I guess, pulls more people into my sphere is that early on I was very active producing blog content too about writing. And so I've had a number of people, you know, message me or post in a review or just let me know other ways that, I found you know, this, this piece that you wrote about Freitag's Pyramid and the three-act structure. And from there, I bought your book, and it's been wonderful. Um, but also, 
and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say this, but there has been one bookstore too, a few hours away from me that have just been absolute, uh, absolutely amazing. They've been angels themselves at promoting my book. Um, and so a, a good chunk of people that have connected with me on social or through email have been like, Hey, I, I picked up your book based on recommendation at the, the bookstore in Owen, in Owen sound. And, uh, and I absolutely loved it. I'm like, those, those guys are just so fantastic up there. <laughs> so making those personal connections with, you know, bookstores is super important as well. Yeah. I wish there was an indie bookstore around me. I mean, it's all, you know, Barnes and Noble yeah. down here and, and, um, I don't live close enough to a big city to really make that connection. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I'm about an hour out of Baltimore and Philadelphia both. So it's not like I can just scoot down there and go around and hit the bookstores. So, um, yeah. but that's a great, that's absolutely a great way to connect. I know I, I missed the convention. There was a small local convention that would have maybe 5,000 people attend, but I always had just a very busy afternoon at that convention. People coming by my table and checking out my books, getting signed copies and things like that. Um, and I miss that. I really miss those opportunities to get one-on-one -on -one with readers and, and make that connection. So, um, hopefully not too much longer, we'll be able to get back into that fun. That would be fantastic. I remember going to in Toronto, they have Fan Expo, um, which is probably the biggest convention they have there unless there's, you know, a one off branch of of some other convention that pops up. But um, I remember going a few years ago and stopping by all of the the independent authors that had their stands there and just buying their books as, you know, a show of support. This was even before Archangel came out. And I thought to myself, OK, if I'm being smart about it, maybe I'll wait until I have two books out. So that, you know, cover the fee and then maybe make some money by saying, hey, and this book for five bucks off because one after the other. And then, you know, again, the pandemic came, no more conventions. So I'm you know, hoping every <laughs> every time I think about it that we get to a point where it's safe enough to have these conventions again and then I'll be right on it. Absolutely. Well, Doug, listen, it's been great chatting with you. Um, where can folks find you if they're looking for you online? Uh, a couple places. The best place is my website, dlansborough.com. Um, but I am active on Facebook, Instagram, a little less so on Twitter um, and on YouTube, too, when when I get around to making a video that people keep asking me to make. And there's there's links there to connect to you on Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter, some other looks like even YouTube. So um, let folks um, reach out to you on your your website. I'll have links to that and your books. Um, in the show notes for this episode. And thanks so much for coming on the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. It's really been a blast chatting with you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jamie. This has been amazing. That's going to wrap up this episode of the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. Uh, make sure you catch up with us for a whole lot more from the whole fantasy and sci-fi focus community, both available over on Facebook and over at fantasy-focus.com. Leave a comment on this episode and let me know what's on your mind. Also on the website, on each podcast episode post, you'll find links to subscribe to the show on your favorite mobile app for iOS, Android. You can even subscribe by email. So uh, make sure you do that because you don't want to miss any of our upcoming episodes. We've got some awesome authors scheduled and uh, don't want to miss them 
especially my chat next week with author Leslie Kanzati, which is the next episode to come out. That's it for this, though. Um, This episode's over, and uh, I'd just like to thank you all for checking it out. As always, I'm your host, Jamie Davis, author of Fun Fantasy Reads. Don't forget to follow me over on our Facebook group, Jamie's Fun Fantasy Readers, or my website, jamiedavisbooks.com. And if you're over at my website, you can actually get a free copy of one of my books. Uh, If you sign up for the newsletter while you're over there, you'll get that uh, able to be downloaded for yourself. Whatever you do, though, subscribe and come back here for the next podcast episode. And in the meantime, don't forget to keep your eyes open, folks, because there's magic all around you.